John's going to read the scripture today. John and I have a lot of similarities. Of course, we have the same first name, John and John. He is a Bishop Ireton graduate, as I am a Bishop Ireton graduate. And uh, final similarity, John is a Navy fighter pilot, and I fight sin for Jesus. So we got all the... I couldn't figure out what to say on the last one. So I had to do that. Take it away, John. Good morning. I'll be reading from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. This is the gospel according to John. Thank you, John. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word. I just ask that, Lord, that you would... Help us to see, interestingly enough, you would help us to see what you want us to see in this passage today, because it's a very important passage. So just be with us, God, as we study this text. In Christ's name, amen. What famous song did this line come from? I was once blind, but now I see. Anybody know what famous song was? Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. This is a you know, very famous miracle of of Jesus. Jesus had a special place in his heart for those who were blind. There were more healings of blindness than any other miracle that Jesus ever did here on earth. He healed more blindness than he did of anything else. You've got the two blind men of Matthew chapter 9. You've got the blind man of Bethsaida in Mark chapter 8. The demon-possessed blind man in Matthew 12. Blind Bartimaeus. In, Matthew, in Mark chapter 10, and here, the man born blind in John chapter 9. Jesus had a special place in his heart for people who were blind, which is a very good thing, because we value our vision and our sight more than any other, other sense that we have, right? Taste, touch, sight, smell, hearing. We value our vision more than 70. Last week, we talked about millennials. Let's say something about boomers today. So boomers are famous for their independence. If you're a boomer today, you're known because you love to be independent. And the loss of sight, fear, it's a fearful thing to think I'm going to lose my sight. And so boomers say 78% of them, the thing that I value most of my five senses is my sight. I would never want to lose my sight. They value, boomers value their sight so much that they're afraid of losing it almost as much as they're afraid of uh, almost as much as they're afraid of cancer and heart disease that's how important sight is and sight had a special place in Jesus Christ's heart because he heals a lot of people who were blind now Jesus disciples ask him a very important question here they say and it's logical what they say 
Who sinned? Did you notice that in here? Who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? They actually believed, people actually believed that you could sin even while you were in your mother's womb. And they take that kind of because of the fight that Jacob and Esau, if you remember the story from the Bible, there's a story in the Bible about Jacob and Esau, and they're fighting in their mother's womb. I guess all kinds of stuff happens inside your mother's womb. I don't know, man. You're going out to nightclubs or whatever and fighting, but and it's, it's, there's some stuff happening in your mother's womb, all right? So somehow they believe that you could sin. Well, anyway, they ask the question, who is to blame? And what makes that so interesting is this. They're asking, they're saying, it's very simple, Jesus, either he sinned, or his parents sinned because this guy was born blind. And Jesus says, no, there's a third option. What, be, what basically Jesus is saying here is, is, is more complicated than that. Christians are famous for giving simple answers. Christians are famous for giving simple, pat answers. And Jesus Christ says when they say, who did this? He says, neither. There's a third option that you haven't thought of. And we want to talk about that third option this morning in this story, the man born blind. I've got a couple fill-ins for you today. The first one is this. We suffer because of sin. We suffer because of sin. So there's suffering in this world because of sin. Now there's three. And look, I'm not answering every question about suffering today. So you might come to me afterwards and say, hey, but what about? Sure, there's going to be a lot of whatabouts. I'm just doing a very simple sermon about a very complex topic known as suffering. So we suffer because of sin. First thing is my sin. My sin. I suffer because I sin. So I drink, I drive, I break the law, I break my leg, I lose my job, I get sued. I sin, I suffer. Pretty clear. Numbers chapter 12, we're told that Miriam sins and she suffers as a result with leprosy. In John chapter 5 here, we studied a few weeks ago, Jesus says to this man, he says, look, if you keep sinning, you're going to suffer even more than you've already suffered in your life. And he had suffered a lot. So we sin, we suffer. Second one is this. Your sin. Your sin. Ecclesiastes 9.18 says it this way. One sinner destroys much good. All right, so keeping with the idea here. You drink, you drive, you run into my car, you kill everyone but me, you sin, I suffer. So I sin, I suffer, you sin, I suffer. There's a lot of different reasons for suffering. Here's the final one. General sin. Now, this comes into play, particularly this week, because of the tornado. We live in a broken world. In Genesis chapter 3, these words are said, Cursed is the ground because of you. This is after sin enters into the world. Nature itself was broken. It was broken because of sin. And this is sin in general. So when they say to Jesus, who sinned this man or his parents? Jesus says, neither. What happens is this man was born into a world filled with brokenness. Here's the thing that we get into. Um, we see somebody suffering and we want to attach some kind of blame to them or somebody else that we can get our hands directly around because we say, if they, they're suffering like this, and I can say, okay, they did this to create that. They did this kind of sin or whatever, and that's the reason they're suffering. All I have to do in my life is not do what they did, Right? As long as I don't do what they did, I won't have to suffer like them, and I'm protected. They believed, they believed in Jesus' day that through good works, they could buy God's favor. Now, we still believe the same thing today. 
We, we, don't, we might not admit it all the time, but we believe the exact same thing today. And they believe that when they went to the temple and they gave, you know, they gave gifts, they gave alms, they helped out the people who were poor, that they believed they invited by doing that God's favor and they protected themselves from the devil. But we live in a broken world and Jesus is saying here, the subject of suffering is much more complex than that. It's a much more difficult subject. So who caused the tornado this past week? So this is one of the first crises that I think we've had where somebody hasn't stepped forward, like somebody in the Christian community hasn't stepped forward and said, well, it's so-and-so's fault that we had these tornadoes, right? Because a lot of times when there's some kind of terrible tragedy that takes place, somebody steps forward and says, let me tell you why the suffering's happening, right? It's because of these people and they're doing this. It's why we're suffering. Jesus' disciples are asking a very similar question. Why has this man suffered a tragedy of being born blind? And Jesus says, it's not because of his sin, it's not because of his parents' sin, but it's because of the broken world we live in. And we're in this broken world, sin broke the world, right? And so here's the suffering. He's been born into a world of brokenness. The ground is cursed. When God creates the world, what he had is he had God here, and he says, humanity next, and the nature here. Humanity will have dominion, he says, over nature. Well, when sin entered in and everything became corrupt, that the ground is cursed, there's thorns and thistles. And what does that tell us symbolically? That nature has become, has become corrupted. And now we, we don't have dominion over nature. As smart as we are, we can't stop 200-mile-an-hour tornadoes. We might be able to predict that they're getting ready to happen, but we can't do anything about it. We have lost the dominion because the world is broken. This is what Jesus Christ is saying here. All right, let's move on. Second point is this. We suffer because God wants to keep us from sin. So we suffer because of sin, but we also suffer because God actually wants to keep us from more suffering. He wants to keep us from sin, which is going to bring more suffering into our lives. Now, sometimes... And I want to emphasize the fact that sometimes, remember this whole situation is complicated, it's not simple. Sometimes God allows us to suffer to keep us from sin and greater suffering. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 8.16. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. Now notice this, ready this? To humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. What's being said there? to humble you and to test you. God made things difficult on them so that things wouldn't go worse. God allowed there to be some suffering in their lives so that things would not go bad for them, to keep them. Look in 2 Corinthians twelve seventeen. This is a famous one of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, from my pride, in order to keep me from the sin of pride, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. What is Paul saying there? And sometimes, sometimes, not every time, not every time, but sometimes God allows some tough stuff into our lives to actually keep us from sin. He allows us to suffer in order to keep us from sin. Jesus Christ himself in Hebrews 5.8 says, He learned obedience through what he suffered. Learned obedience through what he suffered. All right. That was all the preliminary, because I figured we had to get that out of the way, just to kind of put some boundaries around what in the world suffering is. It's a very complex issue. But here is what I really want to talk about. I want to talk about this man who's been born blind and how he sees and what God would say to each one of us in this room this morning. What does this have to do with every single one of us? Because I believe it has a lot to do with us. 
I believe, remember we're in the series called Transformed. I believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in this world and in your life and in my life, that God can show us some very important things just as he showed this man who he healed 2,000 years ago who had been born blind. So here's the third fill in the blank. Put this down. We suffer because God wants us to see. I'm going to slow down here a little bit so we can think about this. Sometimes we suffer. Sometimes. Sometimes we suffer because God has something that he wants you and I to see that will change our lives. We see something in the midst of the suffering. All right? So it's not his sin, it's not his parents' sin, but it's sin in general that has brought this great suffering. God says here, I have allowed this so that, did you catch the words in John 9 where he says, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life? God is saying, I'm getting ready to do something. I'm getting ready to display. I'm getting to do some visual thing of sight that he is going to see as a result of this suffering so that the work of God could be displayed. Now, I have a purpose in this. So Jesus Christ gets down on the ground and he makes mud. He makes mud and puts it on the blind man. I mean, didn't the guy have it bad enough? Do we have to put mud in his eyes too? Is this where the saying came, here's mud in your eyes? I think it is, actually. I actually Googled that and some people say it is. Anyway, nonetheless, this guy's got it bad enough and Jesus Christ puts mud in his eyes. Now, what's mud, everybody? What's mud? You ever got something in your eye before? Right? You ever got a bunch of stuff in your eye? Does it hurt? It's an irritant. Mud, if somebody came up right now and put a bunch of mud in your eyes, it would irritate your eyes. Would it not? Yes, it would. It would be suffering. So Jesus Christ puts suffering on the man so that he can display his work in him, so he can help him to see. Jesus Christ adds to the man's suffering on his eyes so he can see. This is fascinating to me. And then he says to the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, the word Siloam means sent. And in the Gospel of John, check this out, Jesus is the sent one. So he puts suffering on him and he says, go to Jesus. Jesus says, go to me. I'm the sent one. Go to the pool called sent. Go to that pool and wash in that pool. Now, we have some Old Testament prophecies about this. So we have in the book of Isaiah where it says this. Because this people rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh. Now, what is Shiloh? Shiloh is the Hebrew transliteration of the word Siloam. Same word. Sent one. Same thing. Genesis chapter 49. Look at this. The scepter or leadership shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Now, here's the part I want you to see. Until Shiloh or Shiloah, either one, Hebrew transliteration of the word Siloam, until Siloam, the Messiah, the peaceful one comes. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, Siloam. So when Jesus Christ puts suffering on this man's eyes, he puts suffering on his eyes, he says, now go to Jesus Christ, and he's going to help you to see. Here's what I'm trying to say. Every single one of us uh, live in a world of suffering. 
Some of us this morning are suffering badly. We're, we're going through something. We're hurting about something. We're confused about something. We're hurting about something. You have a family member who's hurting. About, we are experiencing suffering in this room across the board. There's nobody in this, in this room right now who is not experiencing some kind of suffering. And in that suffering, what I'm suggesting to you is that Jesus Christ is saying is that if you'll go to the pool, and the pool, Jesus says, is him. Now, later on, Jesus says what? He says, I'm going, and I'm going to send you who? Anybody know? I'm going to send you who? The Holy Spirit. So who becomes the sent one now? The Holy Spirit becomes the sent one. So if we'll go to the Holy Spirit, remember, transformation is all about the new wine and being filled with the Spirit, right? So if you'll take your suffering, the mud that is on your eyes and irritating you this morning, and you'll take that to the Holy Spirit, and you'll ask the Holy Spirit to wash your eyes and to help you see. I didn't say that you're going to have a miracle today and God's going to get you completely out of the suffering. What I'm suggesting here is that God can begin to wash your eyes through the power of the Holy Spirit and help you to see something in the suffering that you could not have seen without the suffering. That's what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that the suffering actually allows you to see God. The suffering allows you to see God, and you would not be able to see God without the suffering. Can we back that up? This man in John chapter 9, he says, in the beginning of the chapter, he says, who healed you? And he says, a man they called Jesus healed me. A man they called, that's what he said in the beginning. And what did he say later? Later on in the chapter, he says, well, uh, a prophet. Uh, a prophet that they call Jesus, he healed me. Then later on, next, in the same chapter, he says, a man of God called Jesus healed me. And when you get to the end of the chapter, what does he say? He says, Jesus, the Son of God, healed me. You get the progression? His eyesight is opening, and he sees God. What I'm suggesting to you is in your suffering, as terrible as it is, and as much as all of us want our suffering to go away, what I'm suggesting to you is by the power of the Holy Spirit, your suffering can help you see God. How did Jesus Christ get recognized as God on the cross? How did he get recognized? How did the centurion look up at Jesus Christ as he's hanging on the cross? He says, oh my goodness, we have just crucified the Messiah. We just crucified God, the Roman centurion. What, 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 what did that? Suffering. He saw him suffering. And in that midst of that suffering, his eyes were opened and he saw vision is so important. Proverbs 29, 18, I've long loved this verse. It says, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, where there is no vision, the people perish. We die when we can't see. When we can't see what God is trying to show us, we die. And if without suffering, we can't see what God wants to show us, all of us, all of us long for a life that is free from suffering. And Jesus Christ tells us that one day it's coming. There'll be a new heaven and new earth and there'll be no more suffering. But for the time being, we're in the midst of a struggle. In the midst of the struggle, actually our suffering that we go through helps us to see God and to see God at work. We see this in this man's life. My suffering can help me see God. Now, we have some practical examples of that this past week. So we have this terrible tornado out in Moore, Oklahoma. And in the midst of all that suffering, what do we hear about? We hear about the heroic efforts of people. We hear about these incredible things that people did. We hear about teachers who, at the danger of their own lives, right, they protected their kids. And we see glimpses of God 
in the midst of tremendous suffering. Now, I'm going to show you a picture, okay? Don't flash it yet, Kristen. Some of you might want to turn your head. This is the picture of the death leg that speared the teacher's leg. So if you haven't seen it, turn your head. This is going to bother you. Turn your head. It's, not, it's all over CNN, okay? But let's show that picture. Go ahead, Kristen. Let's look at it. Look at that, for those of you who are looking at it. This woman, I listened to her on her interview, and she's got a desk leg sticking through her leg. And what did you do? I just had to keep it together for my kids, she said. I just had to keep it together for my kids so my kids wouldn't freak out. And we, we hear about stuff like that, and we say, oh, my gosh. We're catching a little glimpse of who Jesus Christ is in the midst of that suffering, aren't we? We hear incredible stories of how people protect other people and act Christ-like in the midst of suffering. You don't get to hear those intense stories and have those revelations without it. All right? We can take the picture down. We've seen that enough. I want to show you a video clip in just a second. I want to set it up real quick first. I want to tell you about this man that's in this video clip. All right? He's a self-centered man. He is a self-centered man. He is, it's a historical clip I'm going to show you of somebody who really existed. He was a womanizer. He was a Nazi opportunist. This guy, Oscar Schindler, was all about Oscar Schindler. There's no debating that. Everybody knows that's what Oscar Schindler was about. He was about whatever Oscar Schindler could get. He would do whatever was best for him. He was a major league opportunist. But in the middle of World War II, in tremendous suffering and pain, the self-centered man, the opportunist who was only out for himself at great personal cost to himself and at great danger, saved more than 1,000 Jewish men and women. We catch a glimpse of God in the midst of suffering. So this is at the end of the movie, after the war is over, and here is all these people that this self-centered man has saved, and they're gathered around him. That guy was famous for being tremendously self-centered and narcissistic. What brought that out? He is buried outside the walls of Jerusalem today. When I was there 10 years ago, his grave is still honored after all these years. The Jewish people still go to his grave and memorialize it. Honored. This selfish, self-centered, opportunist womanizer. What brought that out? Suffering brought that out. Because in the midst of suffering, we see sometimes. God sometimes allows us. And what I'm suggesting today is that all of us, need to go to the Holy Spirit in whatever suffering we're experiencing and say, help me to see what it is you want me to see. Show me, God, you at work. Suffering is a terrible thing, but God can use it. He can do a so that in your life. So awesome things can take place for his glory. Today is Memorial Day. Today is a day that we remember the sacrifices of our military. And those sacrifices and those stories in wartime situations are famous. 
If anybody has seen uh, some war movie or Saving Private Ryan and you watch those guys just keep going up that beach and you read, those are true stories. Those guys sacrifice like that. Jump on grenades, do great feats in the midst of tremendous pain. We see God at work in awesome ways. I want us to do this before we close the service. I just like... Every person in here who's either active or retired military, could you stand? We'd like to give you a round of applause. Could you do that for us? Thank you. I just want to leave you with this one single thought today. Nobody likes to suffer. I don't like to suffer. You don't like to suffer. It does not feel good. However, here's the thought. Will you take your suffering to the Holy Spirit this morning? Will you take your suffering to the Holy Spirit this morning and say, Holy Spirit, pool of Siloam, Holy Spirit sent one. Will you please help me to see? Will you wash my eyes and let me see God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our hearts are heavy with personal suffering that we are experiencing this morning. Our hearts are heavy with suffering that's going on in our nation today because of terrible tragedies. Our hearts are just heavy with the brokenness and the suffering of this world. For some of us this morning, we could just stop and just cry right now because of stuff that is going on in our lives that brings us deep, deep pain. We have to, we can't, we can't ignore that. We have to admit it. My Heavenly Father, we want to come to the Holy Spirit. We want to come to the sent one that you have sent to us today and ask, Holy Spirit, would you wash our eyes? Would you help each one of us to see what it is we need to see? Let us see God, you at work. In the midst of this terrible suffering, inspire us, God, with vision. Because without a vision from you, we die. Help each one of us. In Christ's name, amen.